0: Welcome to the Painting of the Week podcast, where we look at some of the most significant paintings throughout history. Introducing your hosts, Phil Grabsky and Laura Bentham. Welcome to this week's Painting of the Week. And um, we've got a lovely uh, watercolour today that uh, we've chosen, which is called Great Piece of Turf. By Albrecht Dürer, uh, the German artist. This is from 1503, so over five centuries ago. And for those of you who don't know the, uh, the routine, if you go to seventh art.com, go to the podcast there, you can bring up the picture, or indeed, uh, you can go onto our YouTube channel and, um, and bring it up and uh, be seeing the picture while you're listening to us chat. <laughs> um, right, so uh Laura
1: yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, first of all, it is exquisite
1: it is, and
0: for anyone who who hasn 't come across Albrecht Jura, this is going to be an absolute treat because he is a master and um just a supremely talented artist, so it almost sounds rather patronizing if you put it like that, but i I really do think he 's wonderful um he's work he's northern german or he's he's northern working in germany um at the same time you know end of the 1400s beginning of the 1500s so he's working at the same time as Raphael, michelangelo leonardo working in italy sometimes this is called the northern renaissance um and there are so many so so often in art history you you come across a Jura because, he, you know, when people talk about self-portraits, there's you talk about Durer and people talk about his watercolours and his engravings and, you know, he's he's born in Nuremberg, so there's a real connection to the development of the printing press. Uh, absolutely fascinating and wonderful artist. Um, and then that takes us to this painting, Laura. What do you think?
1: Well, uh, as always, I'm I, I just... Always astonished of what I don't know. (laughs) So put the painting in, and the first thing that comes up: phone covers, t-shirts, tote bags, all with a great piece of turf on it.
0: (laughs) I mean, this picture, yeah, that you can
1: buy a phone cover and things like that. I'm just like, I was just astounded, and I think to myself, I don't know,
0: didn't really look at this. But most most things in on the planet. Uh, Most knowledge, we don't know. (laughs) Until luckily
1: I've come out of my greenhouse and got involved with you, Phil.
0: (laughs) You probably know more. Anyway, okay. I don't
1: know. I just, it just, it just fascinates me. And then, then obviously I did actually speak to a few people this week and I said, oh, do you know Jura? Jura? No, no one, no one did. Not in my circle of Friends necessarily.
0: I think he's
1: pretty pretty unlikely. But then then when you read up on him, he's one of the greatest, one of the greatest German artists, and uh, you know a master of the Northern Renaissance. Yeah. And I was just like, oh okay. Then when I looked at this piece, it was not at all what I was going to expect from somebody that would be master of the Northern Renaissance. Yeah. Because it just looks very modern. Do you think so? I mean, it just looks so modern. It's just an incredible piece. So beautiful.
0: I mean, if people are buying it for their phone cases or, you know, computer covers.
1: Didn't let you know, I might have ordered one myself. (laughs) It's just the the, the amount of green, for a start, that's in there Mm. and how intricate it is. But it's not really what I imagined that was going to come up.
0: Do you know, green Mm. is an interesting thing. (laughs) Which I read, so I'm not... I mean, by all means, contact us if you think this theory, which is not mine, (laughs) is nonsense. But apparently, the human eye sees more variation in the colour green than any other colour. So actually, for example, we don't tend to see too much gradation or variation in the colour blue in the same way as green. So we can really see fine differences in the colour green. And there's a theory... Behind why that is. Okay, so now people might be falling off their chairs and shouting conspiracy theory. and, and <laughs> um, But, um, because when we sat halfway up the bluff, up the cliff in our cave, looking down onto the, onto the plains below, which were green, yeah. we needed to see when there was an animal that was quite tasty moving, moving between it. Oh, okay. And so the slight shifts in green might reveal that there was something there. And also, we obviously were eating uh, um, foods, stuffs, you know, that were green. And again, to be able to distinguish between one plant and the other. Um, And yet, here's here's the funny thing. Unless I'm mistaken, um, it's one of the hardest colours to create. Okay. There is no natural green, is this correct? No natural green pigment in the same way as you got blue for um, lapis, you know, with lapis lazuli, you can get a blue.
1: So he may be, maybe that's why he did it then. Maybe why he did the painting. Because, I mean, there are so many different variations of green.
0: But also... Whether it's conscious or subconscious, I don't know.
1: But it's not like anything else. He really, I mean, obviously, then he got into his natural world because he started painting. Yeah. I don't know whether he did this after or before, but he was really, really got into the animals, didn't yeah. he? In a big way.
0: Well, the young hare, which is, ju- look it up, people. Mm. The young hare, 1502. Yeah. Is just, I mean, it's so detailed.
1: And that's before this painting then?
0: Yeah. So it's oh, okay.
1: a year before? Yeah. Um, but this painting itself, I mean, it has. Uh, is that... Uh, uh, OK, so I've got really into this, of course. OK, far away. So is that now a real piece of turf? Would that, you know, would that be able... I looked this up, tried to find uh, if those plants would actually grow together.
0: Yeah. That's, um, very, that's very good, Laura. It's very smart. <laughs> yeah, and...
1: well, it's be smart, but I didn't get an answer. Oh. <laughs> so I, I got all the um, the variations of the plants that were in the painting...
0: Um oh, so they're all real plants, are they? Yeah. Okay. But what do we know? Coxfoot
1: creeping bent.
0: Do you Oh yeah, okay. uh, well yeah. I've
1: looked them up but when I started looking them up they, they were slightly different like some of them were in flower. Uh, so then I couldn't differentiate between them.
0: Okay. Well it's enough it's enough to say but carry on, but it's enough to say that these somebody's identified these as real Yeah. They're not imaginary. No. So whether he's put them to you know, we're just making, you know, we're just this, this film on Vermeer. Mm. Some people sometimes think that he's painting a real scene. Yeah. It wasn't the case. He would he would bring things together in his mind, he'd have objects brought in, taken away, but he's constructing it on the canvas. So of course it's possible here that Durda might draw individual plants separately and then bring it all together. Or it's, as you say, it's a real yeah. bit of turf that has all this growing out of it. We'll, we probably compose
1: or not compose. We'll never know. That is the question. <laughs> not like my lawn, which oh. doesn't look like that. Yeah. <laughs> it just looks like lumpy grass. Well, it
0: might look like that if you're a small <laughs> insect.
1: <laughs> oh, it's a like creeping bent. Yeah, smooth meadow grass, daisy, dandelion. Then it's germander speedwell. Right. A uh, greater plantain, hound's tongue, which is the one that looks the leaf that looks like a tongue. Okay. And then yarrow, which I looked up and actually can be a tea. And then I started to think, oh, well maybe he got into this. Be- maybe he was quite like cooking and mm. used some of these for.
0: Could be from his herb garden. Mm. Yeah. Well, they are obviously medicinal.
1: Yeah, a lot of them.
0: Nutritional, yeah. some of them, yeah.
1: None of them seem to be poisonous, but I'm sure maybe I'm wrong on that as well. Mm. I don't want to let everyone go and try these things and then find out. But, uh, actually I've been, have you ever been to Annick? I've gone off subject now.
0: No, uh, don't know Annick.
1: It's, it's got a uh, really, really wonderful uh, gardens up there. And there is a poison garden mm. that you can go to. And it's actually amazing. Where is that? It's really good fun. Uh, near, it's in Northumberland. Oh, OK. Yeah, really lovely place. Yeah, so... Anyway, sorry, off
0: topic. But uh what down here in the south of England it's uh, Wadhurst, isn't it? Is it Wadhurst? Wakehurst. Oh, sorry, Wakehurst. Yes. Which oh, is it's the, amazing there. Where they're, they're with the Kew Gardens yeah. they've got the germ depository. Yeah. Not germ. Seed bank. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I thought you said it was you that was feeling a bit dopey. No, no. <laughs> the germ let go and look at some germs. It's us a day out. Oh, mommy, daddy, you want to go look at the tree? It'd
1: be brilliant.
0: Yeah, it could so take the, off the seed bank. The seed bank. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but some of those, some of those country houses around here have got wonderful kind of herb. Yeah, Waker's place
1: lovely, but that yeah, Annick's amazing.
0: Yeah, the Romans. Look at the Roman uh, Roman paintings, fantastic, and they often very realistic. Again, depictions of herbs and um, vegetation that could be used for medicine or spice you know spicing up the food or anyway
1: maybe that's why he did paint it although maybe that he he wanted to explain to people oh i don't know i mean i mean it's very really gone off topic here
0: i mean the structure of the painting is such that you kind of suspect it's not a lump of turf that he's just pulled out of the grass and, and brought into his studio because it's very well composed you know, you, again, we talk about this so often, don't we? But your eyes are circu- circular, your eyes drawn around the frame. You know, that that yeah. high, that high, whatever it is in the middle, takes your eyes to the top and then down the, you know, that diagonal fall down to the right and then down and around. And again, the the light and shade, it's all slightly too conveniently positioned to be,
1: it amazes Accidental. me that he didn't actually do any of those flowers in bloom. None of those little flowers mm. are... He didn't put any colour into that at all, except for the greens and obviously then the the, the earth that they're in.
0: I wonder if, they had, if there was a if reason was, for that. I
1: don't know. I wonder if he was tempted to, but then thought it's just going to be maybe a little bit too... sort of like twee or something, not what he wanted. But I mean, it, he
0: was very... Um... Commercially minded, wasn't he, Julie? Yes. And, um, I mean, it was quite common for Northern artists in particular to visit Italy. And, um, you know, to go there, I think he went for four years. Right. And I know that he was friendly or had friendly meetings with Raphael, for example. I know that he went to Venice. Um <laughs> So good. So, that, a friendly meeting with friendly Raphael. A friendly meeting with Raphael. He's had a
1: really friendly meeting.
0: Well, Raphael had a friendly meeting with <laughs> Exactly. Well, <laughs> don't forget, of course, that, that um, I mean, oil painting came from the north to Italy. Right. You know, it was, it was so fortunate for the Raphaels, Michelangelo's and Leonardo's because before that it was fresco and and that's a very difficult medium to work in because you're painting onto drying plaster and then from from particularly from the Netherlands but this um, you know this oil based pigment based paint arrives changes changes everything
1: right but he was he 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 was very successful wasn't he in his mm. actual lifetime yeah and knew how to make money from art with the printmaking yeah he signed everything,
0: and that's also important. So he's he's one of Se- these early artists that yeah. promotes himself. Mm.
1: There's
0: some beautiful self-portraits, as you say, he's got his um,
1: his yes, sort signature. Of s- yeah, it's like two A and D. So the- imagine if you saw something at the car boot,
0: yeah,
1: with an A and D on it, because he did make hundreds, I think,
0: back of a carriage.
1: Yeah, I mean, if it was Dragon's Den now. Today, or back then, he would be a dragon. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because he sort of knew what he was doing. I mean, I read somewhere about the, um, that famous, the, the famous rhinoceros that he drew.
0: Mm. Well, tell me about the famous rhinoceros. Well, that it
1: was this Indian rhinoceros was sent to Portugal. Right. And he heard about it and knew that people would be interested because they hadn't seen a rhinoceros before. So he got someone to sketch... Down some drawings, and then he made this paint uh, picture and prints, and just sold absolutely loads of them because everyone wanted this new
0: creature in their house on their walls. So, I guess this is also taking advantage of new technologies, so the printing press. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, the other thing about
0: the printing press, which is so important at this time, is of course it's it's spreading, in particular, the word of God, i.e., the Bible.
1: Right.
0: So all of a sudden, I mean, you know, before this point, before the printing press, it was hugely expensive and time-consuming to create a Bible. Mm. Obviously, you've got monks in their monasteries, page after page, very carefully written and illustrated, and that was just in the hands of kings and, you know.
1: Right, novels.
0: OK. Printing press changes everything because you then just, you know, it becomes more likely that you know the, the the ability and possibility to get a Bible becomes broader. Obviously, not everybody gets one, but no. Um, but also, you know, pamphlets start being distributed, and I mean, it changes everything, of course. Um, and for artists, what you also then get is the ability to make copies. Um, by making prints and then trying to sell them. So you make a a woodcut, for example, um, which is a a great skill. We've dealt with it in a number of our films where you, you you actually see somebody making a woodcut. It's really fantastic to see. Actually, a very good example of this is our Canaletto film, Talking of Venice. Yeah. So somebody makes a woodcut and then, you know, you make a print of it. And of course, you can... You can make you can change it at any point and create a different type of print and um, you've got to decide how many to print off and what the value is and I'm alleging I don't know if, you know, but it's possible that people will say I'm printing off a hundred and that's all I'm ever gonna do.
1: We don't know if he did that, do we? What
0: well, make prints?
1: Yeah, but we don't know how he didn't think to himself I'm gonna limit myself oh, to Oh no,
0: no, probably not.
1: We don't know we don't know that. No we don't know. Okay.
0: But I mean, the, the distribution of prints is, um, actually, one of the things that's very interesting, I'm going to go off on a tangent here, <laughs> history of copyright. So somebody, an artist does a painting. Yeah. Sells that painting and then sees that the owner of that painting has, let's say, created prints mm-hmm. or even um, allowed someone to make a copy of it. Or, right. You know, and basically is commercialising the original painting. Yeah, the original artist, and historically, the original artist got really peeved by this mm-hmm. and actually complained and said, "You can't do that." And the the owner of the painting said, "I can. It's my painting yeah. now." Um, so there's really interesting. Um, I'm actually getting this from my Fu's wife, who's like an expert in history of copyright.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Artists started saying, "Now hold on a minute. We we own the copyright." Right. In the painting. Yeah. You own the physical painting. We own the copyright. You can't make copies of that. You can't print it off. But then the reverse happened where the owner of the painting said, well, I don't want you making a copy. No. Because that dim- diminishes the value of what I've got. I don't want you making prints. It diminishes the value of what I've got. I want to be the only one that has. So it's this whole thing of... of um. Who owns the picture? Who who controls whether copies are made of it? Now these days it's a huge issue because of course the internet has meant that there could be thousands of copies. Yeah. Now, broadly speaking in our country, any painting any artist that's been dead seventy years or more is out of copyright. Oh, okay. Uh, I
1: think we we talked about that the other day, weren't we? Yeah.
0: But less than that, mm. so an artist, let's take a David Hockney, his studio works really hard to make sure there are no images of his on the internet that someone can just copy. Right. Because they want people to pay f- for the rights to do that. But it's so hard to control. Um, we recently had an instance where... What was, it, what was the instance? Um, oh, we, uh, we had a picture on a poster that we got from a picture library, but the museum that actually owns the physical painting said, well, where did you get that image from?
1: Right, obviously OK. It was easy for us
0: to answer because we got it from a picture library, but we're assuming the picture library has the rights.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, they shouldn't obviously have given it to us, if they didn't. But it's, it's hugely complicated. Anyway,
1: so Jura... Well, he must have been really complicated then with all his prints. And, uh, like you know, wood cu- wood
0: cuttings and all sorts of mm-hmm. things then. I mean, there's a real market for it. So whenever we see these paintings, we have to... You know, um, this is true of Vermeer, that I've just been working on. Um... You've always got to take into account, when you look at a painting, well, who's it for? Yeah. Is it for the artist? Is it for the artist because they're just going to sell it when they finished it with that and thought of who that might be? Yeah, has the artist seen a possible... Like, Van Gogh at one point is told by his brother, your paintings aren't selling, do flowers in vases because people are buying for their homes simple pictures of flowers in vases. <laughs> and Vincent Van Gogh goes, well, all right. <laughs> Um, so he does. They still don't sell, but he does. Um, All or, right then. Just or are they the commissioned? Sunflowers. So I mean, this this could be a commissioned yeah. work. Somebody said, mm. you know, I want a painting of of you know <laughs> some <laughs> some turf, please. <laughs> someone's lawn for my, for my kitchen, <laughs> for my greenhouse. Anyway,
1: but it is he he's got such a variation of. Styles as yeah. well, hasn't yeah. he? He didn't seem so often. You see an artist, and you think, okay, that's
0: his ad. His Adam yeah. and Eve are brilliant if you get a chance to look at those, right?
1: I mean, I don't know if I would be able to spot one of his at all. I saw his the um, the praying hands.
0: Oh, that's very famous, isn't yeah. it? Yeah,
1: amazing. But so often, you just say, well, you normally would say, okay, that's the style, but he seemed this mm. one, especially to me, just seems. Completely, sort of off-topic. It is just amazing. Piece. There's a
0: wonderful painting he does. uh, Apparently, he says himself he did it in like four or five days in Venice. Right. Which is, um, I can't. Sure, don't remember the exact title, but it's basically the twelve-year-old Jesus um, in the temple. And the biblical story is that Jesus goes missing. Joseph and Mary are looking for him. I think three days or something. anyway they find him, that. they find him in the temple and um where he's listening to the rabbis preach and it, it, this is this is a subject that's she's, you know painted by other painters and sometimes Jesus behind a desk and anyway but basically he's listening to the learnings to the learning to the teachings and um anyway the way that Jura paints it is really interesting it's kind of flat plain you can't tell who's standing or sitting and but the whole thing circles around four sets of hands.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Now hands were very interesting at that time because they used they were again. If you think before we had books and even after we had the printing press, most of the population is is um, uh, uh, can't read, mm. and therefore it's all about signs. Yeah. So you know, a Christ pointing means one thing. A Christ. You know, the, the hand gestures mean something. Hands by the side of the head, hands on the lips. So, you know, they all have different meanings. But Dürer plays with that, and his hands become more realistic. Right. And, um, and there's four sets of hands in the middle of that painting, which you don't really know who they belong to. And But again, he's such an imaginative painter. And he says, you know, basically he's saying, i knock this off in four or five days. Um I feel like you could do
1: a documentary, you know, if
0: you're on hands.
1: Look, we talked about hands, we did the yeah. Caravaggio the other the other week, yeah. that, and uh, that calling of Saint Matthew's, and it's all about the pointing of that in that painting. seemed to be nearly all about the pointing. Yeah. So I feel that there's a
0: well, of course, some artists again referring back to Vermeer. We have uh, one art historian in our um, Vermeer: the greatest exhibition film, who says, you know, Vermeer is. One of the greatest artists of all time. Right, yeah, he's not great at hands. Yeah, I mean, it's a couple of a couple of. I mean, the lace maker is an example of where well, that isn't the case. But hands are really hard.
1: It's actually quite nice because could only an art historian say that, or could I go in? Mm. Imagine if I went in to the Van exhibition and went. Oh, I'm not sure about those those hands I think
0: you have every justification to do that <laughs> but we... but
1: then they would say so why, why are you saying that and I'd be like well I've got an O level in the arts <laughs> but you
0: know, don't have to be, I mean you can still have an opinion don't have to be yeah I know
1: but by... I wouldn't have the nerve to say that but if I was an art historian I'd be like okay I've got I've, we, got, some, um, I've got some reasons here
0: <laughs> when I when I made In Search of Beethoven there's a fantastic musical historian and expert that I interviewed and we were talking about the Ninth Symphony on on film, and it's in the film, and he says it's the most wonderful piece. And the great thing about Beethoven is these nine symphonies, he did do more than nine, but not, but anyway, these nine symphonies, what's so wonderful about them is that each one inhabits, as he put it, its own sound world. You know, he he does the first, and they do something different for the second, something different for the third, and they've got different storylines. And the ninth, everyone holds up as this, you know, one of the greatest, Products of human creativity, but he says, "But you know, to me, it's flawed," oh, and then he explains okay. why.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> and I've sat in audiences where people have gone, oh. <sighs>
1: <laughs> and I've been,
0: and I've talked about this, and/or afterwards, <laughs> musicians have come up, "Oh, you, you, really? You can't say." Well, of course, you can say. <laughs> say that. what you
1: want. Them. <laughs>
0: and his justification for it being flawed holds water. So amazing. I mean, it's quite interesting. I keep referring back to the Vermeer. Well, it wasn't it's only because you went just recently. It's recently. Exciting, I mean, really but, exciting. But throughout the world, mm. I've never known an exhibition like it because everybody's given it five stars. Oh, okay. And you'd think, and we were talking about this ah. in the office. Um, you'd think actually one of the cri- one or two of the critics might think, well, I need to be a bit contrary here. Yeah. Everyone, okay. I can't do what everyone else is doing. I'm going to say, actually, it's flawed. Yeah. But it's just, it's just, I think it's symbolic signal of how good that exhibition is that everyone's saying that okay no no no. it's five star yeah
1: they don't Um, even want to be known to say
0: yeah it's flawed no one or two are saying oh it's a shame such and such a painting isn't you've got 27 they've got 28 of the 37 existing paintings there are a couple of omissions i did wonder whether in an exhibition if you've got that many paintings which are telling such a lot of his life story Mm. And there's a couple of key biographical moments missing. Mm. Whether you could justifiably have a really good copy. I'll oh, just say right. copy, yeah. but at least it fills in the gap.
1: Mm. But um, I don't think anyone would like that.
0: No, it didn't. It didn't um, people think it's got to be the real painting. Yeah. You know, the Van Gogh Museum is experimenting in 3D replicas of, a, of Van Gogh's paintings, like the sun. Their own sunflowers can't travel. Mm. But if 3D replicas become so good mm. that basically a Japanese gallery could say, can we have the rights to your 3D replica of the sunflowers? Mm.
1: All
0: they've got to do is press a button and then they've got a 3D printer, print mm. it out. I mean, I don't know. But if you couldn't tell the difference.
1: I know, but you would know. Would you? Well, I mean, I wouldn't know, but they'd have to say, wouldn't they? You just said about the copyright thing. So they'd have to say, You'd these are all 3D. Yeah. How would you feel?
0: I think that <laughs> in the absence of the real thing, mm. I'd probably rather see a 3D replica identified as such
1: mm. okay. and,
0: uh, than nothing at all.
1: All right. Okay. I, I, I get that. Because no, actually, sometimes we look on here on the computer and I try and get, okay, great piece of turf. Mm. Oh, the, the variety of colours was driving me mad this would to zing. try and get something that's yeah. as true yeah. as true to what it is. So, okay, if, if I, if I saw the exhibition, would I think, oh, I'll go and have a look. Yeah. But you're not going to come out with that feeling, are you? No, no. The feeling of, oh, I've just seen a yeah.
0: juror's great piece of turf. Actually a good example of that. In the flesh. The Raphael exhibition that we filmed during COVID, mm. those paintings, it, in the flesh, were stunning.
1: Oh, that sounds great.
0: And I'm not... I mean, you talk about going into a gallery and going, Mm." I'm not an art historian. You know, I'm not somebody who, like, fawns over every exhibition. No. If it doesn't... I don't get it, I don't get it. And if I don't like it, I'll say. Mm. Uh, And... But the Raphael... I mean, it's... Obviously, with exhibition on screen, we're trying to bring these paintings to as wide an audience as possible. But it's always in parallel to the hope and aspiration that it will just encourage people to go to their local gallery or national gallery or wherever and actually look at paintings.
1: Mm.
0: Because they are. I mean, this, I don't know where this is.
1: I think it's in Vienna.
0: It's in Vienna. Mm.
1: If I remember rightly. I don't know where I've seen that. Sorry. I was trying to cut down on my notes.
0: No, don't cut down on your notes. No. It's good.
1: But um, if anyone could see me now with felt tips and paperwork, I seem to have... So? I've gone a bit... I've completely gone with oh, it. have gone.
0: then. I'm going to shut up for No, a, no, but I haven't minutes. got any
1: more notes, Phil. We've done it. We've done my notes.
0: Oh, we can't have done... No. We can't have been through all that paperwork.
1: <laughs> well, I enjoyed myself so it's much a car- it's,
0: a car- oh, it's a carpet of paper. <laughs> it is
1: a carpet of paper. But at least I attempt... Attempted to cut down on my notes,
0: and you are still sitting here with four or five pens in your hands.
1: I know, I know. And I do like my coloured pens, but yeah, I've enjoyed. Well, hold this on, week. I
0: can see some stuff we haven't said. No, he's May fourteen seventy one to April fifteenth twenty eight. We didn't say
1: when he was born or anything. Yeah. <laughs> I just got too into it.
0: But I mean, people could look that up. Oh higher, yeah, really.
1: and 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 yeah, and as I always say, I mean, what I've what really, I've really enjoyed this week. I really, really have, looking looking at Jura.
0: I think the thing with Jura is if we can leave people thinking, oh, that's a name I don't know very well, mm. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll have a look. And it might be in an art book or go to a local library or mm. see where your nearest Jura is. Yeah. I mean, for example, if you're in the United States, I mean, there are so many amazing galleries in the United States and you're living in Houston or Pittsburgh or somewhere, you might well find Norton Simon, you know, you might well find that there's a, a juror on show. It's definitely worth making a beeline.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was really fun. Really fun. And if yeah. you're at the car boot.
0: <laughs> and and mom pops up.
1: <laughs> definitely or, get it.
0: <laughs> or if any of you are art, cause I know, I know can we obviously get messages from people who listen to Painting of the Week, and there are artists among them, I mean, here's a challenge, you know, (laughs) get on your hands and knees and have a go at doing a watercolour of what's in your garden. Well, when we did um, American um, Impressionists, uh, a lot of those largely female artists did spend a lot of time painting their gardens and it's it's beautiful, but I mean, it's Mm. challenging to do. I should say, I wouldn't. I mean, you know, I wouldn't in a million years try and take that on. No, that is that is
1: something that is
0: because you can't keep rubbing things out. You have got to think no. what's going at the back and work your way forwards. Yeah, and then the more you look into the detail of it, you know, there might be a stem that's slightly snapped or
1: just it always fascinates me is what they put in and what they don't put in. I mean, yeah. you think, well, would there be an insect in there somewhere? But he hasn't done any of that. It's lovely, isn't it?
0: It's a beautiful It really it's is. Beautiful work. Yeah. I love have, it. One for our walls.
1: <laughs> Let's hang it on the wall. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We're gonna need a bigger lounge. <laughs> Until next week. Oh, by the way, just to say, uh we have made a great artist's um about Jura and all our films are available at seventh artcom dot com. And as ever, um if you enjoy Painting of the Week, please do tell your friends. <laughs> and um and, of course, all our past films and books and fridge magnets and tote bags. <laughs> yeah. And
1: oh, yeah, you're the people that are supplying it
0: all, yeah. That's got,
1: what keeps coming up.
0: All available for 7th-art.com. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Painting of the Week podcast. For more information, please visit our website at 7th-art.com or contact us by emailing info at 7th-art.com. See you next time.